0: One Hope Church So I just want to go through some passages first, um, just read them and talk about them. So this is um, Deuteronomy 8.3. It says, vayanach ha, vayari vecha, vaya kilecha, etman asher, lo yadata, velo yadun avotecha, leme lemeon, Hodiaha Kilo ki al al lehem, levado yichye haadam, he al kol motza, viyawe yichye haadam. And this is Psalm nineteen, eight and nine. Torat Yahweh Temimah Me Shivat Nafesh Edut Yahweh Mach Kimat Peti Piku Yahweh Yesharim Me Sam Lev Mitzvat Yahweh Bara Me'Irat Irat And this is Second Timothy three. Sixteen and seventeen. Pasa grafe Theopnustos, ke Ophelimos pros didaskilion, pros elegmon pros ana epanorthosin, pros pedion ten en dikaiosune. Hina artios he to anthropos pros pan ergon agathon exertis menos. And this is John one one through five. In our K. Hain Ologos. <laughs> Ke Hologos. <laughs> Hain. prostonteon, theon Ke. Theos. Hain Ologos. Hutos. in In our K. Panta. Di. Aftu. Agenito. Ke. Coris. Aftu. Agenito. Hude. Hain. Hagenon. in Afto. Zoe. Hain. Ke. Hose. Hain. To. Fos. Ke. To. So how meaningful was that to all of you? So imagine if the scriptures hadn't been translated to English, you, it would just be sounds. The Bible would mean nothing to you. You wouldn't be able to understand it. And that is currently how it is with, well, depends on how you count. Um, But there are 1,800 languages, over 1,800 languages in the world without a Bible at all. Um, And that's about 180 million people's first language. So, obviously, um, you know, we... um, we only find value in the scriptures because we understand it. It's not the words, not the sounds um, that we value; it's the meaning. And so, the only way to get, you know, those people the same meaning is to translate the scriptures. Um, so, I just want to run through these, back through these verses in English, um, so we can see what they say together. So, Deuteronomy eight three says. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So, as you guys probably know, Jesus quotes this in Matthew 4, right? And it's interesting, um The word for bread in Hebrew really can cover food. It probably should be translated food. So the point is that man does not live by food alone, right? He lives by the word of God. Obviously, um, this is talking about something different than physical life. It's talking about spiritual life. Um, So he says, though, that the word is essential to this life. So how would your spiritual life be without the word? I mean, imagine if it was—if it was only in Hebrew, how would it be? The next verse is Psalm nineteen, eight through nine. It says this. Oh, wait! It's actually seven and eight. Sorry. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So again, we see the law of the Lord or the testimony of the Lord or the words of the Lord, the commands, doing certain things. It revives the soul. It makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart and enlightens the eyes. Right? So how, how would you cope with spiritual depression if you didn't have the word? Or what would you look to for wisdom without the word? And where would you find your joy? How much joy would you have in life if you could never read the word? And how spiritually blind would you be without the word? So the next passage is 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17. These are well-known verses. It says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So the main thing here, the, the final statement, is that it equips you for every good work, right? So how would you be equipped to do good works without the words of God? And the last one is finally John 1. John 1, 1 through 5. If you don't have the scriptures, you don't know anything about Jesus. Think about everything you know about Jesus. If it's not rooted in these words, then it's false. So, I I ask you those things because this really is reality for many, many people. And I think it's very easy for us to forget that. Um... So let's just move on. Hopefully that challenges us to uh, and encourages us to be involved in this. Um, And hopefully we can think about, you know, those questions more because I only have seven minutes left. So, um, but I I seriously think I would encourage you all to just think about what what your life would be like without the scriptures. Um, So, I have learned a ton about the practical side of Bible translation being um, at Wycliffe School. So some statistics, um, some numbers, people throw around, I mentioned this earlier, there are over 1,800 languages that um, are left in the world without even a portion of the Bible translated into them. Uh, There are like, I think, a couple thousand with just a a portion. So um, that's about 180 million people without access to any scripture in their first language. And 1.5 billion people don't have the full Bible in their first language. So there's a big gap there. A lot of, a lot of people will translate the New Testament and then leave. Like the Old Testament doesn't really matter. which Anyway, different discussion. Um, so um, obviously those numbers are, um, I mean, there's just a lot of people involved and a lot of languages left to be done. Um, there are some things about Bible translation, though, that other people won't tell you. Um, so one of the things is that the world as we know it is changing, um, specifically with languages. So if you look at, you know, a globe uh, or a map, you have, um, in North America, English, it dominates Landscape and in Latin America, Spanish um, in South America the same way, and you have a lot of indigenous languages that are dying out. Um, if you look at Africa, Swahili and French are dominating um, Africa, and you know over in China, for example, you have Mandarin is dominating all of the indigenous languages. Um, Hindu in um, India, so there are a lot of. Um, people that are switching from their tribal language, for lack of a better term, um, to a more widely spoken language. Or at least, they're speaking both. Specifically, in those countries, um, the schooling is taught in the trade language. That's the linguistic term for it. so Or language of wider communication. So some people can't read in their Um, native tongue, but they can read in um, the trade language, like Swahili or French in Africa. So the issue is, do you do a translation for those people? right? If they can't read it, but they can read it in French or or Arabic or Swahili, do do we do a translation? Um, And there are some translations that have been done in those contexts that are not being used now. Um, I know my, my professor, who actually taught the translation class, he worked for 22 years on a New Testament, and it is not being used. So something like that, you know, again, most people will not tell you that, um, when, especially when they're, like, looking for money. Um, so I, I say that um, because I think it's hugely important in, in this whole thing to consider who you're giving to. Um, so my topic was the importance of Bible translations for unreached people groups. And I personally think that it is unreached people groups that are in the most need for translations. Um, it's not just anyone, right? And, and so most translations are actually done in reached areas um, or in areas that already have a Bible in a second language. The reason being is because it's easier, right? Right. Um, you can have a native speaker who knows the, uh, the trade language translate from that trade language into their native language, right? So he understands the Bible already. Um, so, again, I would say that translation is most needed in unreached areas and in areas that don't have um, good access to Bibles in the, in the trade language or don't um, know the trade language well. So, um, just one last thing about organizations. Um, I'm not going to talk about any organizations specifically, um, though there are some that do more unreached areas and some that do more reached areas. Um, But my suggestion would be to um, try to get someone you know uh, on the mission field and partner with them for translation. Um, And that involves a lot of work, honestly, um, because you have to find those people. And I'm also not making a plug for us. Our plan is to be uh, self-supported, so that's what we want to do. But I genuinely think that the best way to go about it is to um, get someone you trust and hope support them in translating in an area that is really needed. And honestly, the issues are so complex, I, I can't begin to describe to you in the next... 50 seconds, um, how complex they are. Um, I will also be giving um, Chet a link with all the major Bible translation organizations um, that you guys can all check out. So, one last uh, passage I would like to read uh, really quickly. Second Corinthians 8. Um, so, I don't have time to... <laughs> Wrong chapter, I think. Um, So, I'm going to start in verse 8. So, a little bit of context. Um, Paul is encouraging the Corinthian church to give, and he's using the Macedonian church as an example who was poor and still gave beyond their means. So, he says this, I say this not as a command, Is lacking in resources, and the Corinthians are full of resources. And so he says that there should be uh, fairness in the church, universal, right? So just imagine that our standard of living should be the same as the African church's standard of living. But I, I, I say that applying it to Bible translation, we have um, around 900 English versions, depending on how you count, right? So, you can get pretty much any kind of English version you want, um, and we should be striving for equality in that. Um, and there are plenty of languages that still need translations. Um, and at the same time, there are some people, there, I mean, the reason why we have an English Bible is because some people have died to get us that. Uh, William Tyndale was strangled to death for translating the Bible. So, I'd say that um, to challenge all of us. And just to ask us, you know, what are we?